Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Vittles and Vitals podcast, where we talk about important stuff and how that stuff connects to food, because everything connects to food. I'm Jay Reed. I'm the father. I'm Jacob Reed. I'm the son, and we're your hosts. Well, Dad, it's finally here. We've eaten through all the Halloween candy, though you probably still have a stash of that stuff somewhere, because you always do. The turkey has been cooked and eaten, and now we are getting on to the most exciting, the most thoughtful, the most colorful season of all. Hanukkah! No. Festivus! No! Kwanzaa? Not quite. It's <laughs> Christmas, Dad. It is one of the most wonderful time of the year, and it's one that everybody and their mom likes to talk about, so we're going to do it too. That's right. Well, I've already listened to one podcast today about Christmas, and I figure there will be more, but that's all right, because I think the things that we have to share today, we've kind of made a, a little extra effort to share some things that maybe uh, nobody else is talking about. A little, a little bit less known than the Christmas stories. Let's so. hope so. <laughs> so one of the things that has shaped Christmas for me, or the way that I think about Christmas and the way that I read the Bible story about Christmas is we spent 10 years in Yemen. And one of the things, there's a couple of things that came up during that time that made just Christmas seem a lot more meaningful. And one of them was the whole manger idea. Mm-hmm. There's been, I've been told in sermons and heard and read that it wasn't necessarily a like stable out back of someone's house, kind of yeah. like we think of as a stable, mm-hmm. like a horse stable or, or whatever. It's not a food trough out in the back with a little Timmy like pouring some slop in. Yeah, it's not like a barn that's far away from the house. Mm-hmm. During that time of, you know, back in those times, the house, actually the bottom floor of the house a lot mm-hmm. of times would be where the animals would live. Okay. And then the people would live, the family would live on the upper floors. Mm-hmm. And we actually saw that in Yemen. And I'll never forget, we were in the village one time. We hadn't been there long. And I, we're going to post this picture uh, in the show notes or on Facebook page or on all of our our, our uh I'm just as excited media. as our listeners right now. You've seen it because you came out of this house following a flock of sheep. Okay, I do know this photo. And your arms are up. My it's arms like, are up. I'm wearing those like train it's like pajamas. Moses parting the Red Sea in your pajamas. It is a quality. In the photo. sheep. So we'll we'll post that. But but that that made it real. It's like okay, yeah, they're right. The the animals maybe were there. And so this idea that their family wouldn't take them in, you know, that seems kind of strange when they go back to Bethlehem. So maybe their family did take them in, but they just didn't have an, a room in the guest room for them. them. They put them in the so downstairs. They, so they stayed downstairs with the animals. And so that we saw that with our own eyes. The other thing that I have been fascinated by for years, and it doesn't have to do just with Yemen, but Yemen plays a role, is the whole story of the Magi or the mm-hmm. wise men. And... I want to just say, if your nativity set, like mine, has the wise men in it, along with the shepherds and baby Jesus, then that's wrong. Because the Magi showed up later. But anyway, it's most, okay. I think most scholars agree that it's like two years later, like two something years like later, that. Yeah. It took a while for them to but get But there's out no there. nativity scenes with two-year-old Jesus hanging around. So... Anyway, that's okay. My my nativity sets have it too. It's okay to keep your nativity little, set little intact. In but I just wanted to say that. Uh, but the the mystery of this is, you know, Matthew. That's basically all Matthew talks about. Mm-hmm. Where Luke talks about the birth and and everything. You know, Matthew's the only one who talks about this, and it's kind of his focus story. And it's fascinating to me 
to think about where they came from because there's different stories. I just mm-hmm. recently read an article about a, a Syrian text or Syriac text that was translated from the mid-2nd century. I think, the, I forgive the name of it, but the basically they were, it was a text called Revelation of the Magi. And I read this on a biblical archaeology website. And there, it was like a first-person testimony of, of mm-hmm. somebody claiming to be the Magi. And they were from a place called Shear. I'm probably saying that wrong, S-H-I-R, however that translates, which the guy who translated Brett Landau was a, a scholar at uh, University of Texas, said was maybe China. Okay. okay, so that's the first time I've heard China. You've also heard you Babylonian yeah. astrologers. Somewhere in like Africa a lot Persian, of Persian Zoroastrians is a very strong story. But here's the reason I think, and I even read today, it wasn't just me, that some people think they may have come from Yemen. Hey. And the reason is the gifts. Mm-hmm. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Frankincense, if you follow the frankincense trail, I mean, basically it started in Yemen. Naturally. And so it was one of the most valuable things around in that day. Now, you may not remember this, but when we were living there, there was two kinds of frankincense that you could, that you could find. Mm-hmm. And you just buy it. You walk up and down the market. There would just up. be a pile of these rocks, or what looked like rocks, that you would buy. And some we did, we did actually buy some myrrh, brought some back. And I'm not going to go into all the symbolism because you can look that up. But the frankincense came in two, two styles. One was a chewable kind of a thing because it's, it's a resin from a tree and it mm-hmm. was kind of a gum. I, both your mom and I were both handed pieces of it and said, here, chew this. It has a very strong flavor. I think Can't I chewed tea. it once. You probably did and probably spit it right back out. Probably. I couldn't handle flavors like that back then. Yeah, and I didn't want to handle them. But but you, there was a chewable version and then there was another version that you put like in an incense burner uh, you know, for the smell. So that was a very real part of our daily life, mm-hmm. seeing the frankincense. It was a lot cheaper when we were there. I'm sure. Apparently very valuable in the in the past. I even read one time that, that the gold might not have been actual gold, the precious metal, but really? but a very valuable form of frankincense. Now, there's nothing to back that up. And that's the whole thing about the Magi is there's not... We don't know if Biblically, was, yeah. there's no We don't know if it was real three information. wise men or if it was all yeah. wise men in a whole bunch of groups or if it was one. Right. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and we won't go all into that today. But I just kind of wanted to throw that out. Also, um, I don't have the verses in front of me, but you can look it up. Psalm 72, verse 10 and verse 15. It's one of those passages that David wrote about, uh, and it talks about a son, and he will Mm -hmm. do this, and he'll do that. So it's one of those passages with multiple interpretations Mm -hmm. or multiple levels of interpretation. And in verse 10 and 15, it talks about kings of Sheba coming to worship him and bringing gifts, which Sheba is Yemen. Yeah. Queen of Sheba was from Yemen, so anyway, that's my that's what I'm that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. It's really fun when you have real life experiences, because like with me personally as well, like I I remember like walking into the bottom levels of houses, and you think ah this is gonna be the living room and stuff, and it's like nope that's a cow right there <laughs> and stuff like that, and you're like wow was not expecting that, but it, I mean it really does bring that whole thing to yeah, light. Yeah, and actually away. that same village trip where you were herding the sheep. Didn't y'all not know that I was out there? Like you just woke up and I was gone. I probably probably so that was a common thing. That story goes. Yeah, and there was also there was a cow being stored in one of the rooms of one of the houses, (laughs) and that we saw when we got there. And then later, and it was a wedding that we were there for. And later that day or the next day, the cow was gone. But we were eating beef. <laughs> hey! In the, uh, at the uh, wedding, so. Gotta love a good thing. Anyway, so that was really cool for me. So I know you've got some other stuff, too. Yeah. 
Uh, just uh, some quick stats for people out there who got used to us throwing out numbers. Shout out to you, Lauren, for getting lost. But don't worry, we'll keep these real quick. Uh, just money-wise, 25 million t- Christmas trees are going to be sold this year, along with 2 billion, yes, billion with a B, Christmas cards. And finally, Thanks. if you're one of the imag- average Americans out in the world, you're probably going to spend eh, somewhere around $700 on Christmas for a total of $465 billion worth of merchandise. And that's just America? That's just the United States. Yikes. And Christmas is celebrated everywhere. I mean, it's not just an American holiday. We've blown it up to ginormous proportions, and we've started celebrating it in September. Oh, yeah. But it's not just here. It's really weird when you're in, like, Dubai, and Mm. there's Christmas trees even though you're there in the summer. It's, <laughs> it's a very strange time for us all. But enough about that. We got some other really fun, interesting stories. So uh, I just have a couple really interesting things that are just kind of Christmas traditions that we have. Uh, the first being Santa Claus. Whether or not you teach your children about Santa Claus or not, I don't know. That's your kind of your own choice. But thanks to the man sitting across from me right now, I was taught about Santa Claus. Many scholars uh, believe that the Santa Claus tradition came from St. Nicholas, who was a Christian bishop of Myra, which true is, story. True story, which is the modern-day Turkey, Turkey? Yep. kind of area, mm-hmm. uh, and it was about 300 A.D. Um, but that's not why we eat turkey. At the that's Christmas. not why we eat turkey. But the reason why they kind of have this, it kind of morphed from this Christian saint into the jolly old Saint Nick. You know, everybody knows the Coca-Cola story and everything like that, how Coca-Cola made him into the in their ad campaign, the Santa Claus that we know today. But this one, the reason why... We have this tradition of that he brings gifts is that there's actually one story where there's this father with these three daughters and they were very poor. And in those age, when you wanted to marry off a daughter, you had to attach a dowry to it. So the father couldn't afford it. So his daughters weren't getting married. Um, So good old St. Nick started giving this man money in the dead of night. And he would just like hide it at the man's feet while he slept. And then the man would wake up and there's money. And he's like, ah, I can marry off a daughter. And then the third time, they actually caught him, and they thanked him for his kindness. Uh, Apparently, he also was able to save three men from being falsely imprisoned and executed for murder. That's always nice. Really interesting. But my favorite story uh, about St. Nick, personally, is that he slapped a heretic named Arius at the Council of Nicaea. I think I pronounced that correctly. But basically, Arius was saying that Jesus the Son was not equal to God the Father, like we here in the Southern Baptist Convention believe. Three per- three pe- three persons, but one God. Um, but basically, he was teaching that, and St. Nicholas got really, really heated and proceeded to walk across and pimp-slap the guy. Um, he was removed. <laughs> that tradition has not carried on. I, I hate that we're not pimp-slapping people. <laughs> unless, unless you are like a Dutch, believe in Santa, because there's Krampus. Who is the? There's Santa Claus and then Krampus, who is uh, like the evil person oh, that like Black Peter or similar, similar to Black Peter. Okay, but it's just like this guy that follows around, and if you're bad, you don't get coal, but Krampus visits you, dun, dun, dun. and it's just not a good time. But yeah, so, so I think some we need have to bring Krampus at Christmas. <laughs> hey, if you eat too much, you get Krampus you at do Christmas. You get Krampus at Christmas. <laughs> well, that's the food section. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I think it would be kind of cool if every once in a while, you know. We just saw Santa Claus go up and slap a heretic for every once in a while. <laughs> I think that would really change holiday parties and uh, mall Santas. Uh, another really fun one that I found the other day. 
Yeah, you don't want mall Santas to take that up. Yeah, that, no, not at all. You want what? <laughs> all right, to so put your eye out. <laughs> milk and cookies for Santa. Um, that's actually comes out of Norse mythology uh, because Odin had a eight-legged horse, not reindeer, eight-legged horse named. I'm gonna murder this name, but it's like Slip Slipner. I think it's the name Slipner. And you say that with an accent. <laughs> Slipner. All of a sudden, you're Slipner. And children would leave these, would leave trips out for Slipner, with the with the goal of Odin giving them favor and gifts. In okay, and it became popular in the United States during the Great Depression. And if you were bad, did Loki come? <laughs> Probably not. Sorry. Wow. Marvel <laughs> reference. Rip Loki. That's coming later. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, it kicked off in the United States during the Great Depression because parents were trying to teach their children, like, be thankful for what you got. And then Jingle Bells was written for Thanksgiving, not for Christmas. Fun fact. Really? Yeah, it's not a Christmas song. So it must have been colder. It must, it must not have been written in Mississippi. I was about to say, it's probably written in the North. And then finally, last but not least, according to Marvel, the giant conglomerate of superheroes, Santa Claus is the most powerful mutant ever. There was a six-page short story where Cerebus found the most powerful mutant ever recorded. They went to New York. They kicked down the door. And oh, there's Santa Claus. Kicked down the door of what, Macy's? No, the <laughs> evil, the Brotherhood of Evil's lair, because they were trying to hire Santa Claus and put him on the paycheck. Oh, gosh. And they kicked it in, and then Santa Claus proceeded to transfigure all the villains into action figures. Teleport. <laughs> The entire X-Men back to their base, wipe their memories, and then proceeded to control time to deliver all the presents and made it snow in New York for the first time ever. It was a really wild six pages. All in six pages. All in six pages. <laughs> he but is the most powerful mutant he of is, all. He is considered the most, the pow- most powerful mutant of all. Okay. We didn't rehearse that. Can you tell? No. But I feel like we have some really great pipes. We have some really great vibes so with this being a christmas episode and everyone like it before it what is one memory from christmas that sticks out to you dad because that's a a big thing about christmas is that you know people are a little bit nicer this time of year it's a time (laughs) yeah unless you're shopping unless you're shopping but you know families get to see each other after not seeing each other for a while it's a time for family reunions i know that we get to see family once or twice a year that we typically don't so what's a what's a memory I don't remember how old I was, but I was had to have been around first grade or a little bit younger. And we were in Belmont, Mississippi, where my uh, grandparents lived, Pappy and Granny. And I'm sure I'm going to get something to this wrong, but we were riding around, just taking a ride around the country on Christmas Eve. And we went by this house, and I looked over, and he wasn't going down the chimney, but Santa Claus was in the garage what? with a bag of toys going in this house what and i was like <laughs> that's santa claus he's going to the house he's here let's wow. get home quick <laughs> i gotta go home and go to bed and i never forgot that and here's the thing that made that so funny my mom will probably correct me on this later but i think i found out like years later like not that long ago relatively speaking that granny kind of set that up for me wow which i didn't know for a long long time but I remember in fourth grade, mm-hmm. now I don't know if my friend Lindera Outlaw uh, listens to this podcast or not, but we were in school together through high school and 
elementary school, and I'm pretty sure it was her. We were walking to lunch mm-hmm. in fourth grade, mm-hmm. and she was telling me, you know, about there wasn't any Santa Claus and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I saw him. <laughs> I, Santa Claus is real because I saw him. <laughs> and that was in fourth grade. So, um, yeah, if any kids are listening to this, Santa is the man. Yeah, he is. So that's probably my strongest Christmas memory, my earliest maybe um that is that's vivid so anyway what about you uh this is just gonna really point at the consumeristic culture that (laughs) i am a part of uh but one of my most vivid memories from christmas was oh gosh it was one of our first years back in the states so we were living down uh down at the carpenter place and it was the year that i asked for a wee and i was like sure i was gonna get that wee i ended up i actually did get that wee <laughs> but I think I slept a total of like an hour that night because I was so excited about the Wii. Cause like, and we have strict rules about getting up. But that's the thing. <laughs> I got up like four times in the middle of the night. Like I, I like peeked out and like I'd see all the gifts and I like went over and I like looked around and then like sneak. And then I went back to the, my bed and like climbed back up and then it was like, ah, oh, I'm going to go back again. I'm so excited and like went back. I did it like four times. But it was it was just a very it sticks out. And didn't we give you like some Wii games? Yeah, that was before like, we gave you the Wii. I think that was it. I think there or was. Or maybe you got Wii games at our house and then got the Wii later. Yeah, at, I got the Wii later. Grand's house I, I or something I, like that. Something like that. It was something where you had like given really me a couple games. You. Yeah, yeah. So that was that's just a one I'm a great that stuck father. out. Yeah, you are the best of fathers. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into the food, where this is our 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 new segment that we started last time. And I uh, just want to thank some of our, or actually one of our listeners who gave us a five-star rating and a, and a comment. And I don't know who this is, but it's Soccer Freak number 14 who said, give it a listen. Uh, actually, that was the, the name of the review. Give it a listen. But two awesome people talking about awesome things. Give it a listen. So thank you to Soccer Freak 14 for thinking we're awesome and for, for listening and recommending to others. So what about the food? Do we eat at Christmas? Well, according to a lot of people, we do. Uh, But before we really get to dive into the crazy spattering of food that I discovered that people ate on a Christmas day, or Eve, because I asked that both, this is the most important question we've ever asked on this podcast, Dad. What is so great about eggnog to you? You know, it's not eggnog itself, (gasps) inherently, that I like. We have, and I, I'm afraid to to actually, you know, because of our thousands of listeners, I don't want to rush at the grocery store buying my favorite eggnog. Mm. But I will just say that my mother introduced me and our family to a particular brand mm-hmm. of eggnog. Amen. That actually, that's all I really want to drink. I've tried some others, and they're okay, but this is There's sort no of the standard, and everything is measured by that. And the funny thing is, I work happen to work. In a in a pharmacy that also has a, a convenience store attached. Of course and, you do. Right, and so around Thanksgiving, this narrow brand of eggnog shows up in the cooler uh, <laughs> of the of the gas station, which I thought was pretty cool. But I, you know, it's nothing. It's nothing that I really grew up drinking. This was a later kind of a thing. Um, because but I, I just like it, and I I probably you know I had to kind of take it in small doses. It's mm-hmm. so sweet and thick and rich. That and I'm not just guzzling it, but I'll, I'll I'll put down. Yeah, you get that in that little Nutella glasses we have in the house, right. and just go whoop. Yep, it's a good time. What about you? 
Uh, I just, I mean, I think because you started drinking it later in life means that I started drinking it early in life. Uh, <laughs> but no, I love it. I didn't really like it until, I don't know, five, six years ago. It's kind of a, a little bit more of a recent thing to me. But like, it has kind of become kind of this like momentum in the year. Like when Barber's Eggnog shows up in Grand's fridge, it is the start of like the holiday season at her house. Right, right. And, and because it, It'll come and go in the stores. Yeah, so, it does. So I have to, you know, she'll when, buy two or three in a, at a time. And we'll yeah. So when it comes, we we drink it like crazy, and then it'll be it a drought, disappears, eggnog drought. Yes, nog drought. But yes, now onto the moment we've all been waiting for is what do people eat for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? And this is scientifically reliable is, data because it was an Instagram post. This was an Instagram post. There was a war, wide spattering of people. So, you know, you have your typical ones. A lot of people do like a mini Thanksgiving. You know, they have dressing, corn casserole, everything you'll have on it. Um, and then, you know, there's always the classic. It seems like everybody pulls out the ham mm-hmm. for Christmas time. It's like Thanksgiving, but instead of a turkey, it's a ham. I don't know why that's a thing. I like ham. And of course, there's the Christmas goose. I don't think I know a single person (laughs) who still does the Christmas goose. But here's the interesting things that come on. This is my favorite personally just because of the way that he wrote it. He says, for Christmas Eve, I don't know why, but we always have those cheese log things and summer sausage on crackers. So thank you, Jonathan, for that (laughs) one. Sponsored by Hillsar Farms. Another one that's been pretty common, a lot of people do breakfast. Either the day of Christmas or the n- night before. Yeah, a lot of people do like breakfast casseroles that sit through the night on Christmas Eve and then they're ready to roll on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. We had one friend who did Christmas Eve, they just did pizza. I think that's kind of a cop out, but you know what? You do you. You like what you like. You like what you like. I would love pizza on Christmas Eve. But this one you would like even more. This, these people do Petty's Ribs Ooh. because it's the only place open on Christmas <laughs> Eve. True. But I feel like that is a good time. Uh, A friend of mine did steak and potatoes. I want to make that a Christmas tradition at our house. Why don't we do this? And then my my favorites. I must ask, would you rather have homemade lasagna or a Mexican feast the night before? Absolutely Mexican feast. However, my father has always made lasagna in our house. Mm -hmm. His is amazing lasagna. So if he was making it, I might have to go with lasagna. But mm. but if I'm just choosing lasagna versus Mexican, Mexican, mm. uh, for good, sure. Good choice. Shout out to... Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Shout out to Peter Pope. Uh, you have no idea who that gentleman is, but he is a, a camper. What? Peter Pope. Peter Pope. Peter he, the first Pope. Peter, Peter Pipe the, pick the Pepper Pope. But uh, no, he's a camper at Pine Cove. Oh, cool. Um, but they do... Tamales, taquitos, queso, guac, and enchiladas for Christmas Eve. And then uh, my friend. That's a lot of food. That is a lot of food. And then Ain't my friend from work does pozole. I don't know what that pozole. is. Pozole. So how many soup? Ah, so he does pozole, tamales, and green enchilada casserole. Huh. So that's always a really fun and pozole, one. Pozole, that's, that's pretty specific. Yes. He, he He's from New Mexico, so. There you go. Well, that's that, where I first had it. That is his thing. That's the only place I've had it. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Everybody else has pretty, pretty classic thing. Ah, the last one, and this is the one where you can just really tell the coasties from everybody else. But we had three responses for gumbo. 
And that's probably a pretty high percentage of responses, given that it's an Instagram poll that you did today, right? <laughs> yes, actually. It's run for the last 24 hours. Okay. So it was pretty high percentages. But yeah, I just feel like that is... I don't know if I would be 100% behind that, because that just doesn't strike me as a holiday food. But like, I mean, I love gumbo, but I just I can't imagine eating it like the night before opening gifts. Uh, I could I could get into it. I could I, I mean I didn't I didn't think ill of any of those choices. Mm-hmm. What do we do, Dad? I have no idea. On Christmas Eve. Yeah. Now Christmas Day, our our weirdness comes in two ways. We have fried chicken, that is our main meat for mm-hmm. for Christmas Day, and that comes from a tradition of when I was young. I, we were supposed to go to my grandmother's house. There was no food in our house. So we got up that morning to go, and I was sick. So we didn't want to get my grandparents sick. So we had to stay home. We had no food. My dad some, my dad found a chicken. We had fried chicken, mm-hmm. and that was, and we've had it ever since. And, and we're not swapping. And then some years after that, it wasn't the same time, but one year somebody said, what do you want to have for dessert? And we decided that homemade ice cream would be a good idea. And it may have been one of those Mississippi Christmases where it was just 75, hot, degrees. 75 degrees outside. So we have, since that time, we've had homemade ice cream for Christmas dinner dessert. And, and we usually, love it. usually Butterfinger. We've uh, kind of moved away from the Butterfinger in the last like year or so. I a little like. bit, but a Butterfinger, I think we've had more than most. And that mm-hmm. comes from our recipe from my buddy, uh, Ronnie Green, who passed a few years ago, uh, introduced it, uh, me and Daryl, the old roommate, to the Butterfinger ice cream. Hey. So. Anyway, he we don't make it quite as rich as he did, but uh, mm-hmm. it's still pretty awesome. I really feel like, and this is probably not true, but it really seems like Grant only pulls out that fryer on Christmas Day. Yeah, I we got to fix that. Yeah, I know she does, <laughs> it, but it just really seems like it's a very rare occurrence when it comes out, but it is it is a good one nevertheless. Right. Well, we we're, we're talking about the other day, so we're, we're definitely having it again. So a couple of things that I found on food wise christmas i was interested in sort of the the weird stuff that i really never have Mm -hmm. but you hear about a lot so you know here we go a wassailing among the leaves of green or something like that Mm -hmm. so what the heck is wassail wassail is a drink but it's also it comes from the anglo-saxon phrase was hail which means good health and so it's uh i'm getting this from a website called why christmas this is what uh (laughs) at first it sounded good and then i read the recipe Mulled ale, curdled cream, mm-hmm. roasted apples, eggs, cloves, mm. ginger, nutmeg, and sugar. Do you say hooves? Cloves. 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 I heard hooves, and I was like, "This is no." But but when I get to the next food, you're gonna it's gonna be something similar to that. So I won't go too much into the wassailing, but it it has to do with toasting to good health. And here's the thing that was kind of weird about it: it's actually had something to do with thanking the apple trees. This is in England for the cider. And encouraging the apple trees to grow more apples next year. So they would go to the apple orchards and sing songs, make loud noises, dance around to scare off evil spirits, to wake up the trees so they would give a good crop. And here's here's the funny, the fun part I'd never uh, heard of. It's also common, this I'm just going to quote, to place toast, which has been soaked in beer in the boughs of the trees, to feed and thank the trees for giving apples. That's where the term toast comes from. If you're huh. toasting when you have a drink and you... Toast someone with a drink, that's where it came from, supposedly. What if we we still toasted by, like, holding up beer, a beer-soaked bread? Beer-soaked bread. (laughs) (laughs) A toast! That would never fly at our house, but anyway. The other thing that I thought was interesting was the figgy pudding. You know, the Mm -hmm. song, oh, bring us some figgy pudding. And And we're like, we don't know what that is. So, what I read, and this is from NPR, so, you know, you know it's true. So, figgy 
makes you think of figs. It may or may not have had figs mm-hmm. in it. Probably some sort of dried fruit, maybe figs somewhere along the way, but maybe raisins, currants, something like that. And the word pudding, here in America, we think of like jello pudding, yeah. box, add water, or you know, you can make it from scratch, like uh, Graham makes banana pudding. And so that's kind of what we think of. Mm. But in Britain, in England, it's pudding is more, I don't want to get in trouble here, but I think it's kind of a, a more general word for dessert. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a specific dish that they call pudding, but it's not like what we call pudding. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting that I read was that it actually has some Christian symbolism to it. Of course it does. The original recipes, the older recipes have 13 ingredients, 12 disciples mm-hmm. and Jesus. So Amen. 13. Hallelujah. A lot of times they would put a sprig of holly on the top of it as kind of a garnish, although a garnish is supposed to be something you can eat. You don't want to eat the holly leaves because you'll, mm-hmm. you'll hurt yourself. You'll, you'll die. But the holly on the top of the figgy pudding represented the crown of thorns. Mm-hmm. And here's the fun part. They would they would actually start making it the first week of Advent. So it's kind of like friendship bread that just kind of grows and almost yeah. like fruitcake that, that never dies. Uh, I've got a fruitcake in our fridge now that I probably had for seven or eight years i'm just leaving it in there just for to see how long it'll last oh my gosh so anyway back to figgy pudding they you start making it it kind of the the alcohol just kind of you pour brandy on it and mm-hmm. the alcohol just kind of i don't know it just ages and supposed to get better over these yeah. over that four or five weeks of advent and then on christmas day when it or whenever it's served put it on the table pour some more brandy on it and light it and that represents the passion of christ the fire all right. Isn't that cool? Getting hot and steamy on that. So I'm advocating. I'm here to say, I know my mother will listen to this, and we're going to have Christmas dinner with her. Mm-hmm. We need to set something on fire this year. I think that's or it a just great won't idea. Be Christmas. I think that would be a great idea. And then slap a heretic. Those drum beats mean it's time for this week's flavorites. Jacob, what is your flavorite for the week? All right. So currently in your cabinet is a thing called Santa's Secret Stash. That's right. Which is a coffee blend from a, a local roaster. Shout out to Humble Coffee. Uh, and so my flavor for this week is going to be brewing that uh, using my handy dandy AeroPress. So... It is a coffee device. It looks like a giant syringe, for That's lack of a better good word. Good description, yeah. Um, but it's a really fun coffee device. You know, you just grind up and everything, and then you literally just, like, press it through a filter. It's kind of like in between, like, a French press and kind of an espresso machine. It's a, just a really fun one. I do this really cool thing called the inverted method where at one point you have to pick it up and flip it to press it. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really fun, interesting way to brew coffee, and it's one that if you are kind of interested in, and moving away from just your Keurig or a coffee pot into something a little bit more like you can play around, try it. There's like 15,000 different recipes or mm. stuff like that to brew with it. Um, so that is going to be my favorite is going to be brewing with the AeroPress with Santa's Secret Stash. All right. So mine this week is kind of a tradition. It is kind of one of the things that, that makes Christmas. So obviously, if you're listening to this, you won't be able to do that this year. But I'm going to talk a little bit about the history and all. We have a thing here. Uh, we're about 30 minutes from Columbus, Mississippi, and every year they do something called Columbus Sings Messiah. And so my parents have been involved in it for years. It's a volunteer chorus. They have an orchestra. Uh, they bring a harpsichord in, and they sing the selected about an hour's worth of music from the Messiah that's related to the Christmas. And it ends, of course, 
with the Hallelujah Chorus. And so one of the things that's traditional about the Hallelujah Chorus that a lot of people know, but not everybody knows, is that when the chorus begins, you're supposed to stand. That's the, that's the tradition. Mm-hmm. And there's stories about when Handel first, uh, when this premiered, uh, 1743 in London, that King George was there, King George II, and that when it started, that he was so moved by the the music that he stood up. And mm-hmm. so when somebody royal stands up, everybody, everybody stands, stands up. up. So that's sort of the story that's been passed down. It's not been verified. Nobody really knows for sure. I actually read today that some people think, you know, he might have just been tired and uh, needed to stretch his legs after two hours of music. And one 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 person said maybe he had a bad case of the pins and needles or the gout. <laughs> <laughs> so either way, that's the story that's been passed down. But I find it interesting that not everybody knows that. We were at church the other night and they closed with the Hallelujah Chorus. And everybody in my family jumps up as soon as they start. And people around us are kind of looking like, what's going on? And then everybody eventually kind of stands up. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the future or if you have, by the time this post will be about a week or so before Christmas. Uh, but if you're listening to this later, you know, just file this away that uh, when the Hallelujah Chorus begins, it's okay to stand. You're actually supposed to stand. And that, to me, that makes Christmas is to hear that, to go be a part of that. Uh, I sang in it one year, and that was a lot of fun. I got to sing next to my dad. So, hallelujah, chorus, stand up. All right, y'all, so thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed listening and think others might enjoy it too, please share. Please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you found us. And they are legion. You can find us on the worldwide interweb at Vittle Vital Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We're Vittles and Vitals Podcast on Facebook. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea of a subject you'd like to hear us cover, shoot us a DM or give us a shout. And remember, if it's vital, look for the Vittles. Ho, ho, ho.